Welcome to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. Welcome back, I should say. Uh, this is season three of our podcast, and my name is John Payne. I'm the lead pastor of Redemption Hill outside of Austin. I'm here with my friend Jared Mellinger, who's the lead pastor of Covenant Fellowship outside of Philadelphia. We are friends. We are fellow members of the Sovereign Grace Leadership Team, and we're launching season three today. So welcome, Jared. Season Good to be back three. with you, bro. Season three. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Joy to do this with you, John. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, look forward to these times together. Um, before we launch our topic today, we're going to talk about preaching uh, to launch season three. But before we do that, I, I know we both would just want to highlight a couple of conferences when this is released. Um, the first of these will be right around the corner, maybe in that same week, um, which is the Sovereign Grace Pastors Conference. And I know we want to just express our gratefulness to all of you who are attending that conference. If you um, are listening to this and you're a pastor or you have an aspiration to be a pastor, um, we just could not commend this conference enough. We love gathering with our uh, pastors uh, of Sovereign Grace. Guests will be there, people from around the world. It's just a delightful time of celebrating God's grace together, fellowshipping with each other, encouraging each other, uh, hearing preaching, getting to worship, having pastors come and not really have to pastor anybody, but just to be cared for um, is really one of the main goals of the conference. So that's first thing. And then secondly, a little further out, but very much in our hearts is the Relay Conference, uh, which is a conference for young adults in Sovereign Grace. It will be held at Jared's own church uh, in Glen Mills, uh, January 4th through 6th. And we are calling all young adults in Sovereign Grace to attend. We can't wait for this. Uh, some of our absolute favorite preachers are going to be there. C.J. Mahaney, Jeff Perswell, Jared is going to be preaching. Dave Taylor is going to be preaching. Um, I'll be preaching. We have a, a number of breakout sessions led by guys that we really respect. Bob Coughlin is going to be leading worship. We just can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be such a fantastic time. So if you're listening to this and you know somebody who's 18 to 25, uh, just would love to see those guys attend. And we're really looking forward to celebrating the values that we love, motivating our um, young adults, especially in Sovereign Grace churches or any guests who come to live for the glory of Christ alone uh, in their generation and beyond. So uh, very much looking forward to this. Any any other thoughts about those conferences, Jared? I know you're excited. Well, about with too. the Relay Conference, we talked, John, just about what a wealth of theological and uh, practical riches we've experienced from a founding generation in Sovereign Grace. And so, so much of our vision as a second generation is to take what we have received and then to turn to another generation and pass off these rich gospel uh, truths, these doctrines that have been so formative in our uh, in our own lives. And so the, the sort of generational emphasis of the conference is a is a point that we carry as a particular burden uh calling the next generation of, of sovereign grace to rise up and follow the example uh that we have in a in a founding generation and we're praying for much fruit and believe there will be much fruit in our churches uh through this conference yes amen all right well brief promo uh for those conferences because we just love love folks to uh, sign up if they haven't already all right. Uh, we wanted to talk about preaching, uh, the two of us, as we as we launch this um, season three. And in particular, I, I wanted to look uh, to begin with before the preaching moment, 
um, at the the time of preparation and anticipation of preaching. And I, I wanted to begin that just by asking you, bro, just how, how would you describe um, some of the earliest moments of getting ready for a sermon? What's on your heart? What priorities do you have in that earliest section of preaching? And if you want to just kind of describe the overview of your of your process as you get ready for Sunday. Yes, and you're going to help me on this, right? I mean, how many times yeah. do you preach? How many times do you preach a year? How many Sundays? Uh, I think I want to say it's 35 to 37, something like yes, that. That's, that's three, more than three. me. I'm probably I'm probably around half. Uh, and so, so I hope you're slightly bigger than mine. So you have a few, <laughs> <laughs> a few more people. Yep. As I as I head into study, one of the things that I always seek to do is remind myself of the privilege of the preaching task and what I what I get to do. It, God has not only saved me by the power of His grace, but has called me to preach his word and it is just an unspeakable privilege and so i want to approach the 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 preparation uh, of a sermon with that sense of gratefulness to god those who knew me as a teenager no one saw this coming that i would be uh preaching the word of god uh to others and so that that sense of the the glory of the preaching task the privilege of preaching the joy of preaching that's something that that i want to have shape my my outlook of what it is that i'm that i'm doing my my goal is not to impress my goal is not to call attention to myself my goal is not to to to, to preach a great sermon but to lift up uh, a great savior and so all of those things inform my my heart the the fundamental thing that I'm seeking to do in, in preparation is being is to be faithful to the word of God and to discover the meaning of the passage that I am preaching. Second uh, Timothy 2.15 is a verse that has uh, influenced me and informs my preparation where it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So the that right handling, uh, certainly has implications for the, the later delivery of the sermon, but where I'm rightly handling it and seeking to do so is in my study, is in my preparation. Um, and so I will read the passage uh, with an aim to, to rightly handle the word of truth, to understand it. Um, I will, I, you can correct me on this, John, uh, it's, if you have a differing you know, perspective on this. I tend to bring in my commentator friends more quickly than other preachers do. Um, and part of that is a freedom I have in disagreeing with them. I'm not going to take my sermon structure off of them, but it's it's guys who, who uh, I view it as talking to friends about the meaning of the text that I'm studying. And I'm just eager to get those friends in the room as, as soon as possible and find that for me personally, I encounter God in the text, even as commentators are talking about the meaning of the passage. So I know that, that I, I don't start with the commentators. I, I read the text, but I do tend to, and I haven't always done it this way, but I do find that I tend to move more quickly to, uh, to commentators as I'm seeking to um, uh, study the text and uh, gauge it. What do you do? Would you, you would probably recommend that people wait longer than I do before they turn to commentaries. 
Um, I mean, I think I, I do wait longer, um, unless th there'd be an exception to that. If there is a, a very technical point that is going to kind of fundamentally alter the, 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 the you know, the nature of the passage. So if, if there's like a, okay. And if it's a technical point where I'm not convinced that my knowledge of Greek or my understanding, you know, is going to, yeah, that I, I'm, I might go two totally different directions, say with a prop or something, then I sometimes will consult you know, the commentators sooner, because I think, well, I don't want to waste a ton of time only to find out, oh, everybody disagrees with my interpretation of this. <laughs> but that's, that's a little more, more rare that I think, okay, this is a very, very technical point that happens to make a major, major difference in the fundamental direction of the passage, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, most of the time, I like um, waiting until I have my, my prop and my mains. Um, before I I go to the commentaries and um, Ooh, that's I, that's I, next level. Good work. I I like that only because I I feel like it it it's just sort of a discipline thing for me. It, it's sort of guarding me from um, what for me could be a, a laziness of just just absorbing what they're saying and you know and then repackaging it in my own words that kind of thing. And, and I I sort of want to. I want to force myself, I, not necessarily so much on the, um, the, the, the meaning of the passage, so much as the feeling of that meaning. There's something that the wrestling with it, like wrestling towards a prop, you know, wrestling kind of get that, like for the same reason I, I, I uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm wrestling with that. And then as I'm doing that, as I'm trying to find different phrases and that's not quite right. I don't think that gets this question. Yeah, this emphasizes this too much. I need to, you know, I like kind of getting there and all the effect that has on my heart. It feels like it, it drives it into me a bit. So um, I tend to do it that way, but I know people that that just isn't a huge temptation for them. They just don't, you know, it's going to be their own message, <laughs> even if they read early. And uh, I have not just you, but uh, there's somebody else I know that that, you know, he tends to read it early and it doesn't bother him. The one person that I, I would caution against reading it early is maybe a person who um, it, it is finds himself un, unsure if he's if he's going to be able to cultivate his own burden for the passage. Yes. right. And he finds himself almost living in a level of fearfulness that I'm, I might miss something. And I basically my job is just to absorb what everybody else has said and then just to repackage it and communicate. I could see there being a kind of preacher that that's a different yes. reason to go to the commentators first that I wouldn't recommend that. You know, if, if you're pretty sure, look, I'm going to have my own burdens. I'm going to disagree with this guy. That's not a problem. I'm going to have my own accent. Okay, great. But if you're saying... I couldn't come up with a burden unless I first hear what the commentators say. Then I would probably push that guy. You know, you might try, try my way a yes. little bit, <laughs> try yeah. cultivating, getting, getting to a prop and then maybe going, um, going to the commentators there. So, and I think it's rare that, it, that a commentator will deliver that sense of, of burden. Exactly. There's only so much that you're going to get from 
the the commentaries you're not going to get rich pastoral application you're not going to i don't think get that sense of okay here's what god has for our congregation in this passage it's going to be more confined to an explanation of the meaning of the passage which is of course part of what god has in view but that development of i in fact i know one case where one of the guys on our team studied the passage developed a great burden and then went and read one of the common Terry's, and it completely zapped him of the burden that he previously had for the passage. So dry was that that commentary. So, um, okay. yes. Yep. In general, I would say that the commentaries aren't going to deliver on that uh, on that burden. In preparation, yep. that is one of the main things I'm looking for. Uh, one is a sort of skeleton and an outline, and then another mm-hmm. is a is a burden. If if there's not a point in my preparation. I, and I find that sometimes it can just be, all right, I want to get to the other side of this sermon, or I'm just going to, I'm covering this material. I'm explaining these, these truths. I think that we always need to evaluate to what extent is there a, a spirit filled burden for what I am, I am preaching. The, the, the question that I always look to ask myself in each sermon that I preach is uh, at some point in my preparation, do I feel strongly about this? Yes, like, do I, is it actually engaged my, like, I, people, they need to hear this. This yes, is, this exactly. is important. I feel strongly about this. When it comes to God's word, there's things that we should, should feel strongly about. And that's what we mean with, you know, with that sense of a burden. And I do think that's one of the, the most challenging parts of, uh, of sermon preparation is what is it that God is seeking to accomplish in this particular passage through right. this passage in the lives of his people. And yes. it it's uh that's one of the great challenges of preparation. Yes, we don't have to prep until we we arrive there. Well and I often I don't know if you find this, I find that all, especially the technical commentaries, they, they tend to more describe the meaning of a verse yeah. than to give you the overall burden of a passage. Yeah. So, you know, maybe if you were literally preaching one verse that, you know, but I, you can read the whole, you know, 12 pages of commentary on a passage. And right. you even at the end of it, you're like, OK, I think I know what each of the words mean. I think I know what each of the verses mean. But if you were to say, what is the overall point of this? You know, <laughs> like, you know, in in the uh, in the singular, you know, the, the clarity of a single prop kind of a way. And you could get to the end of those and think, I don't, I don't know if they gave me that. They, they gave me a lot of individual meanings, yes. which are very helpful and, and obviously all contributed, you know, to that point. Um, so that's part of the reason, too. I, I think whenever you bring the commentaries in, you have to be convinced that you're able to deliver the central meaning, the intended central meaning of this passage and that it it is it is something that is important to you that you you feel that you can deliver with with passion and zeal um another category since we you know we jumped into the commentary thing for me um another discipline that in my preparation especially for sunday messages um i always begin just a personal habit um before i look at the passage I, I pray through um, the second half of Psalm 19. Mm-hmm. So I do that every time, mostly just for my own discipline, because I find that the practice of jumping into study and getting into, okay, what are my mains? And okay, what's the organization? What's the structure? What's the grammar? What's the vocabulary? What, 
that can at times that can actually function as a as a forgetfulness that ultimately unless the lord <laughs> enlightens me and uses this message all of my preparation even as as passionate even as accurate as it is is going to be worthless <laughs> um because even even the best preparation in terms of technical preparation is is worthless unless the spirit of the lord you know empowers me and and changes people's hearts so it's it's not a dichotomy at all we need prayer we need preparation i am not a proponent at all of some sort of you know non-prepared sermon um but it's just it's a good discipline for me so i typically force myself to Hmm. before i even look at the passage this week i'll go to psalm 19 and i'll just pray through and i tend to pray through it both ways which is really helpful to me at, depending on the week, um, so I'll pray through each of those passages as as a prayer. So, like the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. So I'll just pray, Lord, revive the souls of my people through this particular passage this week. And so I'll pray that way, Lord, make the simple wise. There are simple people that don't have great biblical wisdom. Bring wisdom, bring joy to their heart, Lord, through this word. This word bring joy to their heart, enlighten their eyes. Lord, those are walking in dark. And I'll just pray that way. And then sometimes I'll kind of declare it as a promise. That's mm. especially helpful when I think I have a, a sort of a harder text or a more obscure text or a text that's you know more technical. I'll, I'll sometimes declare just for my own faith, this passage has the power to revive souls in this yeah. church. You will be doing that, Lord. I believe yeah. that about you, you know. So uh, so th- there's just a it's a discipline and I can feel even as I'm praying there's something like get you got to get you only have so much time. You got to get to it. You got to come up with your outline. You got to come So there's like a really helpful self no. What I need more than anything is the illumination of the Lord. My prep will be 10 times more effective if he gives me illumination my mind is not able to see the meaning of this passage apart from the spirit so i need you lord i cannot do this and i'll remind myself of stuff like i could shout to a graveyard and apart from god empowering his word it would be exactly that effective Mm. on this sunday Mm. but god raises the dead yeah. So I mean, I'll just say those things to myself, and you know. That's so that's nice. usually the big, that's the first thing I do in my prep, and I feel like it helps build my faith. It prepares me for the spiritual component of I'm encountering God as I read His Word, rather than this just. Especially after so many years of preaching, my temptation it, it can it can sort of just become a a habit of of grammar and vocabulary, and it, it can lose some of the sense of spiritual expectation and longing and dependence and i just i don't want to become self-confident in that yeah. and so that that practice sort of helps me and um you know uh, wonderful. early on in the process you know a pastor here at, at covenant fellowship uh joseph stagora he before preaching publicly prays psalm 19 verse 14 uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And how does that, <clears throat> that psalm inform him? And I was thinking through a scripture that I pray perhaps more frequently than any other. And it's John 15, verse 5, where Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And just yes. that 
that reminder of, uh, all right, I, I know how to read. I know how to, to structure a, a sermon. I know how to write a sermon, but no, apart from Christ, I can do nothing. And apart from his activity and the activity of his spirit, this sermon will not bear fruit in the lives of God's people. And so I'm dependent upon him to move. Yes, exactly. So just give, give me, because we're, we're kind of jumping in different elements here. Give me the overall structure of your typical preparation. Like what happens first, second, third? Like some, is there, is, maybe there isn't a consistent one, but is there some normal average way that goes? Yeah, so it's um, the, the first um, <clears throat> segment involves study of the text. I'm seeking to discover, um, well, there, what I do, <coughs> excuse me, is I'm, I am studying the passage, studying commentaries, um, taking notes. <coughs> I have something in my throat here. <coughs> pause. Everybody just pause for listening. Jared recovers. And, uh... <laughs> All right. During the study portion, I am having an eye on um, what is the main point of this passage. Uh, and that, that inc- there's a lot that could be said there. What is the, what's the genre here? What's the historical yep. context, you know, et cetera. Um, I will read more broadly often through the book or the context of the, of the passage. Um, I always, when I start, have an eye to what is the structure of this sermon going to be? Because I would say in addition to the the, burden for the message. Another main thing that I'm looking for is that what I call a a skeleton. Lloyd-Jones calls it that. That's just basically, this will be my introduction. These are my main points. This is my conclusion. You can fit that skeleton on a half page of paper. But what is the flow? What is the structure of the sermon? What are those main points going to be um, that flow from the main point of of the passage? So Ideally, that comes during my study of the passage. If it doesn't, then that's what I immediately turn my attention to. So I don't want to start writing the sermon before I have a sense of the structure uh, of, and I I manuscript uh, my sermons in general, but I want to have a sense for the proportions of each point and what it's going to be like. That's what a a skeleton like that uh, provides. And, um, And then under each, well... Once I have that skeleton, the sermon comes very quickly, as I'm sure you know, once that's in place, because under each main point, you're generally then looking to have explanation, illustration, and application. And that's another thing where the commentators are going to be limited in their helpfulness. They'll help you on the explanation of the meaning, but they will be limited in their usefulness when it comes to illustration and application. And so so those are things that... uh, those are categories that I want to keep in mind, even during the preparation. How can I illustrate this? How can I uh, apply this in the in the lives of of listeners? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final the, the the final part of the sermon. I'm moving through it very quickly, but is the the writing of the of the sermon, where I'll sit down at the end of that process and look to to write out the the sermon. Mm, yeah, excellent. Yeah, very similar for me. I would you know I spend the you know, like I said, first portion portion of it praying, and then I will spend just time in the passage, and I'm 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 aiming first for a, a prop, 
And then once I have that, I, ha I have to kind of discipline myself because what I'm immediately aware of is the organizational structure, you know, and I might I might reference a few organizational points as I'm going through it. And generally it's this and this and OK, but I'm, I'm trying to limit myself. OK, what is the overall point? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going through it. I'm trying to understand the grammar structure, vocabulary, everything to get to that overall point. Once I have that, I'm trying to come up with mains that reflect the passage itself and that also, you know, ideally tie into or connected to vocabulary um, of, of the prop so that can be can preached smoothly. Um, so I'm, that's a lot of the chunk there. So I'm just I'm working on that and I want my prop and my mains so I have a sense of the passage. Once I have that and usually not until I have that, I will then read through two or three commentaries. Um, and I'm not a big fan of reading endless numbers of commentaries um, because I, I, I'm just not sure how helpful that is compared to giving time to application and so forth. And then I'll get into, um, usually I think after the commentaries, one of the major next components, because I want, the way I think about commentaries is I, I want them to be able to tell me I was wrong. <laughs> so I'll go into them and, uh, you know, and maybe there might be a tweak. Uh, not quite. I think you might tweak this, this or that word a little bit here that emphasize this more. But every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, wow, I really missed something. I missed that. And I need to go back and reconsider that factor um, and do some rewriting in light of that. Um, but usually I'm, I'm looking to them to either correct me or confirm me. Um, and then I'm looking for quotes that are going to be useful that I can I can borrow from them. And then once that's done, then I, I usually spend the most time at that point working on an introduction. Um, mm. So after I know, yeah, okay, I think I'm in the right direction. I think my prop is set. I think I've, I've you know, been, now sometimes an introduction will come faster than that, but usually I'm spending a long time on an introduction. Um, and then once that's there, then I'll, I'll write the message. And I'm like a semi-manuscript guy. But mostly just so I can, I, I write a manuscript, but I preach more like an outline. Yeah. I'm sure you're similar, you know. Um, so then I'll write it. And then the last step is is just actually reviewing it once it's written. And I'm post edits, you know, and I'm just reviewing and trying to memorize it, functionally memorize as much as possible, not word for word, but the actual flow of it so that I can be free, you know, as I'm preaching it and, and engaging. So. Yep, that's the flow. What are your goals? In, what are your goals in an introduction? Uh, goals in intro, introduction, obviously, very influenced by Jeff Perswell on on some of these things. But my goal is to uh, sort of twofold. One is to build a sense of the value of what you're about to hear from God's word into the people that are listening to me. Um because I just think it, it's unwise to assume that people come in um, wanting to hear from you for the next 40 minutes, you know? So, so I have a, a, a responsibility to kind of build their sense of need for this and the value of what they're about to read so that whatever illustration, it's not just informational, you know, it's, it's rhetorically trying to convince them of the spiritual need for what they're about to hear. And then it's to set up the, and both from an informational standpoint and also an emotional standpoint. I, I find some illustrations that I hear and guys 
are more informational than emotional. Mm. It's to set up informationally and emotionally the main burden of the passage. Mm. So I'm trying to build their sense of need for it. And then I'm trying to set up the main burden of the passage. So I, I tend to use a lot of illustrations and so I'm trying you know, use illustration or something or quote or story or whatever can help them feel here's why you need this. And here's what you're about to see and why it's so important. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. Fine. Excellent. Yeah, sometimes people talk about illustrations or an introduction just only in terms of capturing people's attention or even sort of giving a brain break, you know, for people. But I, the goal is not to entertain, but to reinforce and to, to motivate is the goal yeah. of of illustration. So it, it, they, they shouldn't be something that sort of yank us out of the preaching moment or like, you know, warm us up for the preaching moment, but a part of, of preaching uh, itself. And I do, <clears throat> there is underestimated value in storytelling, whether in yes. an introduction or under main points uh, or in the, in the close, I'm a fan of uh, that particular form of, of illustrating. And yep. on illustrating as well, use a wide range of illustrative sources. So yep. it may be personal experiences, yes, but also news and history and mm-hmm. creation, the Bible, you know, literature. When we move to to illustrate, there's a world of things that we can draw from, you know, in those illustrations. Yep, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, I, let's let's pause there, bro. And I think we're going to pick this up next time and keep talking. Because I want to talk some things about delivery. But I think our burden in this is that our our you know our brothers, uh, fellow preachers, you know, whether whether they're obviously we're talking about Sunday preaching, but you know a lot of these things could apply to preaching in other contexts, youth gatherings and singles gatherings, and even you know at some level classroom settings where you're bringing God's word. Um, you know these same burdens and patterns you know we, we want to be um, men who rightly handle the word of truth and who exhibit the passion of it in the way that we handle it as well so uh, anyway let's let's pause there and then we'll maybe pick this up next time if you're if you're listening you're a song grace pastor jared and i love you grateful for you and grateful to be laboring together in the ministry of the word so see you next time <laughs>